Podcast Network, AfterBuzz TV. Over 20 million weekly downloads in over 150 countries and your number one source for after-show entertainment. Very good, TV, the destination for TV superfans, producing aftershows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows, interviewing celebrities and showrunners, and bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E! Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin! Hey guys, welcome to the 100 After Show. Uh, I'm your host, Tari J. Miller, and joining me today is Ben Bateman. Hey guys, what's going on? Happy to be back in the studio. <laughs> and today we're going to be discussing episode or season 2, episode 3, Repercussions. It's clever. Um, if you didn't just it. catch, that was just Don't Fear the Reaper by Blue Oyster Cult. <laughs> it's two and two together. It's what we do here at AfterBuzz TV. Oh yeah. Um, I think it could use more cowbell though. Everything could use more cowbell. (laughs) Even this episode of the 100 could have used more cowbell. That would have been really sweet if all of the Reapers were just holding cowbells the whole time. Like, you would always know they're coming, Mm. uh, and it would be a great set piece. There would be a hilarious dream sequence where uh, you would just have, like, the band, except they would be, like, played by Reapers, and they'd all be cowbelling. That's like, Clark should have, like, a dream, and it's, like, them doing their version of Don't Fear the Reaper. That would be amazing. Right. And Anya is, actually, she's not a Reaper, so. (laughs) Anyone who animates, make this a thing. Yeah, I'll laugh. (laughs) (laughs) I'll do more than that. You know, I'll appreciate it. Oh, frog in my throat. Uh, But, so, let's get general thoughts on the episode. Well, the first thing I noticed is I don't feel like this episode really moved the show forward very much. Yeah. Uh, Something that's interesting, actually, that you, I feel like you notice in a lot of shows, uh, is that you know, after about two or three episodes, is things like slow down a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, if you if you absolutely adore a show, as you get later into seasons of shows where its characters are super super developed, it's easier to do. With a newer show like this, it's, it is hard to slow things down. Yeah. Uh, just because like there were some pretty sweet payoffs in the first two episodes, and mm-hmm. this one, yeah, I mean, this was fine. It wasn't a bad episode by any means. It just was a little bit less compelling. Right. I mean, this episode felt like it was really just trying to get people from point A to point B. Um, and I mean, to the, I don't know what the word I'm looking for, but like, essentially, since they're following so many different storylines, um, it makes it hard for each one to just like punch you in the face each episode. So I I think this was more of a like mid chess game where it's like, I'm going to move my rook here and next episode, uh, you're going to see my knight do some stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's it's always interesting when you think about like uh, each of your major characters at the beginning of the episode and at the end of the episode, yeah. what's actually happened in mm-hmm. that 42 minutes. And when you think about, well, well, we'll talk about the episode, but if you just think about each of your major characters or your factions of the, of the characters in the show, yeah. where they start, where they end, it didn't really feel like we were in that different of a place when this episode ended. Right. Mostly, yeah, you were just kind of on, you know, one step forward in the path, but not by a significant enough margin that I felt like my mind was blown or anything like that. Yeah. Well, I will say that the a character that I felt made a, a good arc this episode was Octavia. Um, yeah, yeah. She started out... I mean, she's, this season, been kind of growing into a warrior, essentially. Um, and so in this episode, we see her um, meeting up with the Grounders. Uh, first, they try to kill her. And then after... A nice chase and a little bit of tracking, uh, they end up fighting the grounders together. Um, and I thought that was a really great sequence. 
Yeah, it's it is interesting to see the way they're using her character. I know I complained a lot about her in the last after show, and uh, it's funny to think about that. She if if they successfully can transform her from like annoying female teen CW lead to yeah. basically like a kind of badass character, like yeah. she. It's it's weird to see the the outlines of the character coming together. You saw it when she hits uh Nico, I think is his name with the rock in the oh, last yeah. episode. Mm-hmm. And then in this episode she's fighting a little bit and I mean maybe I'll be convinced. I don't know. Maybe she'll just behead somebody and I'll just my mind'll just be blown and I mean, I'll want to marry her, but uh, <laughs> as of now, you know, I'm just slightly changing a little bit. Right. Well, I mean she did uh slash that that Reaper real good. Um, and she was real, real good, pretty man. fearless. Yeah. Um, like that moment where she was standing on the hilltop and was like, I ain't scared. I was like, yeah, yeah, good. That's, this is what I want. You know, strong declaration. Yeah. She yeah. like, there's feeling behind it. I agree. And she was willing to be bait, which I, as a human being would be like, heck no. Right. Uh, but she, she was willing to do whatever she could for her man. Yeah. I, I do think that that sequence was a little silly, just the, the fact that, okay, so she goes, she, she's desperate, she's stranded, she goes back to the camp because she thinks, I need to get Lincoln back, and mm-hmm. I can't do it on my own, and I I want him back, so I'm going to go back to these grounders. And they're like, yeah, obviously, kill her, what are you doing? Just like, what are you doing back here? Like, you are, are screwing with us. And, uh, and she's like, uh oh, I'll just run away and I just hide behind this tree, and you, vill- you, you, you woods people that live in the woods and track people and chase animals through the, you're not going to catch the fact that i just hid behind this tree that was to me was just like what that's right. what you that was your choice you're running away you're you're maybe 45 yards ahead of these people and you <laughs> hide behind a tree and you just get away with it which i guess again was re- this is another one of those I, ch- I crossed out my notes but she you know it was revealed that they knew that she was following them yeah the whole time and so did you notice that that in that sequence when they're like we're going to use her as bait they switch from their uh, foreign, or I'm sorry, their native tongue to English. Yeah, which I'm assuming was that so she knew what they were talking about. They yeah, wanted to, they changed the English so that she could hear. Right, but more than that, I just noticed the the language that they're speaking is pretty well developed. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if the book, like, I don't think we're reading like J.R. Tolkien here. I don't know if like the books had a language written or if they're just like loosely basing this on something else, Latin or something. I don't really right. know. But it is kind of impressive to see them speaking a made-up language in the show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah it's, that always... I don't know. I'm I'm using words right now. Um, I mean, yeah, that is always impressive. And I don't I don't think that there was a, a language specifically in the books. Um, but, I mean, nowadays you can't just, like, do gibberish and expect people to accept it as a new language so i mean they're they're springing for people to come in and i would i would actually really like to know i mean if anybody knows what the derivatives of the of the language that they're speaking are um i would gladly appreciate any insight on that and uh, i just uh i just received the books in the mail i ordered them this week nice. i intend to read the first one by next week so uh hopefully i'll, I'll be able to send some light on that as well awesome uh, though i know the show it diverges from the uh the book quite a bit mm-hmm. so i'm not expecting to like you know, have my mind blown or anything, but I thought it'd be a, kind of an interesting thing to do. Yeah. The context of the show. Uh, well, I expect a 10 page report on my desk <laughs> by Monday, uh, double space, one inch margins. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, no problem. Smiley face on the top. Okay. All right. Let's move on from that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so, uh, after that fight, Octavia is accepted as one of the grounders. 
Did you believe that when she was the user as bait? So that's why they keep her alive. Mm-hmm. These are pretty smart, pretty ruthless people in the woods. I mean, they have to survive on their wits and their physicality. Yeah. Did you believe that because she was willing to be bait and fight that they wouldn't just kill her for screwing with them? Um, I think that the final straw that allowed them to trust her was the fact that her final strike was to, uh, was saving their leader. Um, so one, she was willing to go along with their plan, which helped them save their own people. Yep. Um, because if we've learned nothing about the grounders, it's that they are definitely community oriented. Sure. Like they really care about their people. Yep. Um, and so I feel like her helping them do that, even though she wasn't successful in her own goal, um, ultimately led to them trusting her. Yeah, I would agree. I, I'm noticing that as the show goes forward, and I don't think it's unfair for them to be doing this, there does seem to be a little bit of like a a division in the way that the grounders act towards the outsiders. Mm-hmm. The, uh, and you notice it in you notice it in the way that like the, the hunting party at the end, the guy they take prisoner in this episode, spoiler alert later in the episode, you notice it in the army commander that gets incinerated or he doesn't Wait. get incinerated. It's 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 a oh I'm sorry, uh, Melvin, Chuck, whatever we don't oh. have to call him. Uh, yes, um, he has a name. Tristan. Tristan. This is his name. <laughs> uh, you just notice there's a difference in attitude. Yeah, some of them are super aggressive. I, the way Anya acts is a little strange to me at sometimes. Yeah. Then these grounders are a little bit more accepting and softer. I just I think it's uh, a tribe of people, right? Everybody acts a little different. Yeah, they're not all the same. Right. Um, I think. If if I were to make a guess, I think it's a rank kind of thing. Because, like, Tristan and Anya were both high-ranking generals, essentially. Sure. Um, they both led their own uh, pack. So I think that kind of led them to be a, more uh, more decisive in their, their ability to, like, go, I'm going to kill this person or I'm going to keep them alive. Right. Whereas, like, I felt like the community that Lincoln had brought Octavia to was just kind of like an outpost um, they happened to be warriors, but they weren't necessarily like a military faction. That's fair. Yeah, it's it's a tribe of people. There's obviously, I guess, hundreds at least, if right. that, over a thousand maybe. So yeah, they're all going to be a little different. Not everybody is the same, harsh or soft or whatever. Yeah. Um, but speaking of groups and communities, let's jump over to Camp Jaha for a little bit. Okay. Um, so basically we come in and, uh, Kane is figuring out that the kids are gone. Uh, she, he confronts Abby about it and she comes out and says, yeah, I'm going to do whatever it takes to find those kids. Yeah. I'm going to defy you and you'll get mad and then we'll just do this every single episode. I'll just defy you every episode. Right. You'll furrow your brow. And I'm really glad that he brought up that she's had this track record of, always just doing whatever the heck she wants um because i mean yes she's usable use useful right um but at the same time you can't keep having this defiant character always undermining your authority so one thing i thought was really interesting he says to his uh captain the blonde woman yeah the gun says abby is the most respected person here he says she was a former member of the council and she's the most respected person here. That shines an interesting light on Kane because mm-hmm. it means that Kane is not as much of an egotist and thinks he's the most important person there. Yeah. If, if he's fully aware of the fact that she is the most respected enough, so to say it to an officer, that shows there's a little bit more of a softness to his character than we sometimes get from him. Yeah. The egomaniac 
almost that you get at the very beginning of the show, I think might have just been a cliche they decided to get away from as the show got more intelligent. Right. And I thought that was interesting. However, in contrast to it, when she gets the lashings, I don't know that that makes any sense to me. I understand that he wanted to send an example. However, yeah. you're going to get a full-scale mutiny on your hands if you try to humiliate the most respected person and sympathetic person in camp in front of the whole camp. Yeah. Even if it is to send an, to set an example, that's a hard thing to come back from. Right. Well, I think that he... Uh... I think that he sees both sides of it. I mean, yes, she's the most respected person, but if she, if she essentially sets the example that people can kind of just do whatever they want, then others will follow her being the most respected. Whereas, like, true, if he shows that he that there's still law, even though that they're in this new plane, um, it stands that he can kind of keep some kind of order because right now he's barely holding on. And and that's what kind of came through at the beginning of the season where he was really trying to keep that tight fist on everybody. Right, right, right. Um, but as we go on and as the even as the episode uh, progresses, we see that he's still trying to figure things out and he still like is isn't the hard ass we think he is. So but here's an interesting point on that. Uh, all of the humiliation that she's caused him in defying him mm-hmm. to this point has not been publicly uh it has not been like in public exposition to the people yeah whether it was on the ship or anything this is the first time that the people have been alerted to the fact that she's broken the law i mean she was arrested for like a brief second when they were on the ark in season one but she was quickly let out the fact that imagine that you're a person you're at camp jaha and you see abby griffin getting lashed yeah you don't know that she has defied uh you know both well, really defied Cain so many times. Yeah. I don't know that you're on the same level that he is. He's frustrated. He feels like she's done enough time. She broke the law. She needs to be punished. Just thinking as a person at that camp, I don't know how I would have reacted. Um, I mean, yeah, that's a really interesting point. Because, yeah, none of them really know the extent of her crimes. And so I assume that, and we see it on their faces, that they are more responding in horror, not like, right. yeah, she's getting what she deserves. Hmm. Um so, and I, I think that is what led him to, I mean, yeah, that essentially led him to realize that he's not the proper person to lead the group. Was he giving, well, we'll get to that at the end of the episode. We can get to that, but yeah, uh, let's wrap I mean, Jaha, Camp Jaha. Was there anything else that happened there that's super relevant? She gets lashed. Um, I mean, we can put a bow on that by like going into that. So essentially, uh, after the lashings, uh, they they had brought in a before the lashings they brought in a grounder prisoner, yeah, uh, which caused uh, a man to be shot because they all the people of Camp Jaha reacted and wanted their children back, and so in the scuffle, someone was shot, uh, which ultimately led uh, Kane to believe that he needed to do the lashings right uh after the lashings and after he starts to interrogate the grounder who he's getting nowhere with um he says a line that that uh jaha i believe said in the first season where it was there's got to be a better way to live right that's right um and i think that is the turning point where he realized that like even though he has the best intentions he he's not he's still a soldier he's not uh, he's not a king. 
Yeah, I think that's a pretty fair point. I did find it interesting, and we'll get to this in a minute, but I found it interesting that they've put the scenes, the interrogation scenes back to back. Yes. With the kids and the adult interrogation scenes, clearly trying to prove a point to us and showing you the sort of mirror images of, of the way things are handled and, and then just the, the difference and where they're, what the adults are at, where the kids are at. Yeah. I thought that was a, it was a, it was a very deliberate and obvious use. Yeah. But a good one nonetheless. Sometimes being obvious is good. Right. I mean, and, that's the whole I think that this whole episode was about assorted parallels and and that like every every group was trying to figure out their different pairings and their different like collaborations, whether it be Clark and, and Anya or the kids uh trying to figure out their own hierarchy or uh the other oh Octavia and the grounders right and stuff. right right so but yeah that was that was a great mirror in that moment. Which, I guess, should lead us into the kids section. Yeah, so the kids are out in the woods, and they are hunting for their friends, and they still believe they don't know about Mount Weather, that that's, there's mountain men that took their friends. They still believe that the grounders have Clark and Jasper and... Uh, Jasper? Yeah. Jasper. And uh, the, the, this, this plot line to me was sort of highlighted by the final scene of the show. Yeah. But aside from that scene totally irrelevant it just did nothing for me i mean they basically they basically could have condensed the entirety of their whole sequence in this episode into like three or four minutes you didn't really need to see him at all right um i agree i mostly i think the the purpose of it was to show um finn's descent right um which yeah i agree it could have just been like one chunk of time yeah um but i mean they need to keep us motivated to keep watching the different sections. And, like, it helps to kind of separate out the different storylines. Uh, but that's just, you yeah, know, scripty stuff. Um, but I I think that this was really, to me, it it was really important because Finn was, like, the biggest pacifist yeah, right. the last season. Um, and for him to go essentially go crazy like this i i wrote in my notes that he goes ballistic yeah because uh i think that it shows that he's so desperate at this point because he's so close to clark with yeah. that with that watch right but he's so far and he has no idea what to right do. yeah yeah that's true it's like seeing the watch like really set him off yeah uh did you think for a second when they were scoping the guys in the woods, they were just going to let loose and just execute them? Just <laughs> they have rifles with scopes, and these guys have like axes. Did you? There was a minute for 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 me where I was like, they're going to pop three of these guys in the head and just walk over to the other one with guns. Right. Well, I mean, that would be that would be proper uh, special ops kind of procedure. Yeah. I mean, you got you basically take out all the opposition, assert your dominance, and then get the information you need. Yeah. I mean, that's. Again, I'm never surprised in the show anymore. If they had just done that, would have been, I think, a little bit too much to ask that these kids would have been able to like accurately snipe three like, three guys from a distance, right? With, like one shot each, yeah. You know things, or but it would have been even probably more awesome had they tried and like gotten one of them in the head, like one in the shoulder, and like it's just messy and just, yeah. You know what I mean? Anyway, I didn't know where I'm going with that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, it would have been a, a, a pretty cool sequence. It would have been so. Like it would have been what? Yeah, <laughs> it would have been wild because like I just I'm just imagining it in my mind, and it would have been they probably would have got one, uh, not even in any vital spot. The yeah. other ones would have just scattered, and then it would have just been a bloodbath. Yeah, yeah, 
I think uh, that's uh, I think that's pretty fair. It, would, it probably would not have ended well. Maybe, yeah. maybe the kids know that. And Finn, truth, like you know, rightfully hadn't crossed that line yet. Yeah. He crosses it at the end of the show. That's right. the first person that he shoots. Right? Mm-hmm. Had he killed anyone in the show at that point? Um, not that I know of, because he was definitely anti-killing uh, up until now. Yeah, yeah, that was interesting. Um, I guess yeah, we're talking about the whole the whole uh, segment of the kids together. Yes, yeah, so their inter- interrogation of the guy was pretty predictable. Were you surprised? I mean, were you surprised? When, when Finn's hitting him, I was not surprised. Um, I was surprised mostly because it was Finn. Um, because, and also, uh, because our history with torture on this show has, it's been really, really, uh, kind of a tormented section. Yeah. Like, when they were torturing Lincoln, it, it, it was so reluctant that it made it feel so uncomfortable because you know that no one wanted to take part. No one wanted to participate in this. Right. Um, even as Bellamy did it, he's like, just tell me something so I can stop doing this. And he uses the same line, right? Yeah. He, he turns it around on him. Mm-hmm. Right? Because it's originally Finn that says to him, some lines you can't uncross. Yeah. Right? Bellamy says that to him. Um, I One thing I, that bothers me is that... Bellamy's character is almost like, okay, so like Murphy, yeah, you know what you're getting out of Murphy. We've talked about that before. Yeah, Clark, you know exactly what you're getting out of Clark. Up to this point, you knew what you were getting out of Finn. It's nice to see that his character has evolved, and mm-hmm. it's interesting to see such a goody character going crazy because it's the reality of the situation. But Bellamy, it's almost like they they give you the side of Bellamy that's convenient for that moment mm-hmm. because in this moment when he's saying some lines you can't uncross and. I think Bellamy's a little more ruthless than that. He led the party that incinerated 300 grounders. I think I think he would realize what Finn realized. You can't leave this guy out there. You're going to have to execute him. You can't torture a guy, threaten him, hold, and then expect... You know what I mean? Right. Well, but for me, I think that, like, it shows that he's grown beyond that. Because mm. he started out as the aggressor, and he's kind of... He's now reflecting on what he's done, and he is realizing that there's a better way to live like sure i mean yeah they couldn't have uh they couldn't have let him loose but they they rightfully could have left him there and then gotten a good enough head start uh, yeah i mean it's just the sort of thing where you're like maybe you've softened up but if if the other guys have gotten to this point where they're realizing the stakes of where they're really at and their friends have been captured i don't know that bellamy would have been that it just feels like that was a little too like yeah, we'll just we don't want to do this. Like we we don't want to kill him. It's like, come on, Bellamy. You know what? You know the stakes. You know that these guys are going to kill you if they get the chance. Right. They will. They will murder you if they can. If they can stab you, they're going to do it. Yeah. And this guy will do it if he sees you again. He's going to kill you. So, I don't know. It's just uh, it's like this show starts to to really it starts to take you down this path of like the reality of the situation in yeah. a lot of these cases. You see it so often where these characters do understand the stakes. I don't like it when one of the characters that feels like he's sort of the most evolved and grown does something that doesn't feel like his character anymore. Right. Me. That's all. Um no, I get that. Yeah. Um I mean, I if I were trying to argue this point, uh which I'm not really, I would say <laughs> that like He's a human, and humans are inconsistent. Sure, and sure. So, if anything, he's being the most realistic of them all. Um, Maybe is, is an argument. It's an argument. It's, it's yeah, yeah, I'll give you that. I'll give you yeah. it's an argument. <laughs> and I wasn't that passionate about that point. It was just interesting that you see. It's just interesting to see Finn 
evolving in this direction that Bellamy felt like he was already. Maybe it was bravado. Maybe it was bravado earlier in the in the uh, show. But uh, anyway, that being said, right. Um, I mean, and kind of jumping off that, uh, it a lot of it was was bravado in that he felt like he had to lead these people, and he didn't know how. Yeah. Right. So he tried to assert his dominance in some ways. Yeah. It's fair. Um, so that was that. And this is this. I'll tell you what you got and I'll tell you what you get. iTunes is what you get. Um, <laughs> so, hey guys, uh, let's take a little minute to talk about you. Uh, we really enjoy listening to your, or reading your comments. Uh, and we really want to hear from you. Uh, so if you could go on iTunes, leave us a, a rating, five stars if you love what we're doing, four stars if you don't, um, and go, and keep going on, uh, YouTube and subscribe, like the videos that we do. Um, the people here at AfterBuzz TV, uh, put up over 70 hours of content a week. And it's just for you. We don't charge any money. All that we ask is that you, Talk to us and let us know what we can do to give you the best shows possible. So uh, do the thing, and we will keep continuing to give you amazing content. 100%. Heck yeah. 100%. 110, at yeah. least. <laughs> so, uh, um, yeah, so so getting back to the, the, the moments in the show, just one thing, and I know I, I've referenced this a couple times, but there was an exterior on Camp Jaha that I just remembered. Of I, I said this to you while you we were watching it, but... Just cool to see the sets being built. You could tell oh, yeah. that it wasn't CG. There were moments in this episode that were CG. This one wasn't. Mm-hmm. It was. It's cool to know that there are actors that are truly filming in this uh, in this kind of environment. Oh, something else that I wanted to point out, by the way, about about Bellamy. Oh yeah, and the kids. So there's like a there's like a couple shots in the first season where it's like Bellamy emerges from his tent shirtless with two girls, and you're just like, oh my god, this is like nine hundred two and zero right now. Except it's like the hunt. We've made this comment before. I, you haven't gotten any of that nonsense. This this season, yeah, none I, of it. I actually love the fact that he is so cut up and bruised and battered. Like you could barely tell what his face looks like yeah. under all the like scarring and stuff, which is great. It shows that like the the show itself has grown beyond the need to to give fan service like that. It's like no, now you focus on this character, right? Um, so jumping around, I believe <laughs> that. That does cover pretty much everything to do with the kids. Yeah, right? that was kids. their whole storyline. So he shoots the guy in the head. Yeah, yeah, which satisfying ending. It'll be interesting to see how it goes. So then yeah. you move to the rest of the kids. The rest of the kids who conveniently are only three kids. You see Miller in one scene last episode. Right. And the other, I don't know, 43 kids or something? It was the 48, yeah. There's like 44 other kids. I feel like we haven't even like gotten a line you see a couple of them in the bunks in yeah. the background, like a little bit, but you just don't even have any interaction with them. I mean, it's Lost was notorious for doing this. You'd yeah. see people in the background; they'd occasionally bring them out of the woodwork. But this is just absurd. <laughs> you're, you're you're literally just not even. I I know nothing about the other forty four people. Like, um, they're teenagers. I mean, for me, I think that like it's better that they're not like all right every every kid is going to get their own storyline and they're going to be sure. part of it. Just because, like, we have a million people we're following right now. Um, I do agree that there could be more, uh, like, there could be more interaction, especially because Monty and Jasper are only interacting with each other. Yeah. And then we have Maya, who is 
a mountain person. Right. They're not even like she's not even one of the original forty eight who was part of the original hundred. Right. Um, so I do agree that more people should be asking where Clark is. That's what I'm saying. So instead of Monty coming up to Jasper and going, Hey, have you guys seen Clark? It could have been like three kids playing checkers and Monty walks up and he's like, Hey, have you guys seen Clark? Like, no, we haven't Monty. And then all of a sudden it's three faces in a line out of one person. You're like, Oh, if that person comes the next episode, maybe I'll remember them. Do you yeah. know what I mean? I just, it's just, it's going to be really, really inconvenient when it feels like we get four new characters in the middle of the season yeah. that we just didn't know before. <laughs> It's like kind of what they did with Miller. You just see him in that one line. You're like, oh, Miller exists now. Yeah. Oh, and that's his dad. How convenient. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll see, but I'm just, I'm predicting. So, uh. I mean, yeah, uh, I agree. Like you, <laughs> and, and I, for, from a production standpoint, it's like, we don't want to pay these extras. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> but I mean, uh, I'm hoping that we get a little more time with them and like at the end or at some point there'll be like a nice little rally and you'll be like, ah, oh, familiar faces. Yeah, you'll get a few people, I'm sure. Looks uh, that way. Cause like Monty is kind of leading a, he's, he's, he seems like he's gonna start leading the charge on figuring out what's really going on. He's not drinking the Kool-Aid the way that Jasper is. Did you like, so something that always occurs to me when I watch this show is that these kids are like 15 or 16 and mm-hmm. as 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 mature as they try to make some of them seem i like that jasper was like i don't i don't know oh, i'm sure clark's just fine i want to go have pancakes with my new girlfriend like you're like yeah you're a 16 year old kid like you're gonna be pretty careless and immature that's, yeah you don't really you care but like you're just really selfish because that's just what you want to do is just talk to your new girlfriend it was obviously a, a you know sugar-coated watered-down version of that behavior mm-hmm. but it still was i was like oh wow that seems unrealistic then it's like no he's a kid that's that's maybe what he would do yeah um, I mean, yeah, and we like we touched a little bit on how like the moment they all got in this mountain village town, yeah, mountain place, um, they're all just like, yeah, I don't have to care about anything. Yeah, it's like mommy's paying for my bed again, even though they all lived on a spaceship and they don't know anything about what, what I just said, um, because they didn't have to go off to college or live with their parents. It doesn't matter, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> um. But just to recap this portion, yeah. Um, so Clark, uh, Clark had slipped herself into Anya's cage because one of the doctors was checking on the bleeding yep. uh, harvest. Yeah, and which can I say is like the like the worst idea in the world to be like, oh, I'm going to put myself in this cage because someone is on the outside of it. Right. Uh, cause, and the lock was right there. That lady could have been like, oh, this is convenient. Lock. Show yeah. over. Right. The Also, the lock, which was... <laughs> you have to have found that as absurd as I did. Clark's like, all right, I got to break this lock. I'm going to tear a pipe out of the wall. That's a nice sturdy pipe. I'll just pull it out of the wall. And uh, then I'm just going to wedge this pipe into this lock and just twist it and grunt and it's going to just unlock. Yeah, I'll just go. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna go steal a couple bikes on the way home, Terry. I'm, <laughs> I'm just gonna go take uh, take a wrench and just go wedge that wrench into some locks and just steal bikes because it's that easy, apparently. Yeah, if I've learned anything from TV, everything is super easy. I'm not gonna really steal bikes, guys. I don't do that. That was a, that was a joke. That was a joke. <laughs> In recent news, there have been a rash of bike thefts going on. Um, no, suspect hasn't been caught. <laughs> Strike that from the record. <laughs> so yeah, it's uh, yeah right. So but, she's she's in the cage and so, she yeah, sees she, the people and uh, and she breaks the lock and then she takes Anya and they escape 
and are confronted by some reapers. Yeah. And then, yes. I loved the trap door as well. Just like they get into the spot and yeah. they're like, oh man, we, we're kind of safe, right? Right. And it's just, gook, gook, yeah. Drop down. They're in reaper tunnels surrounded by, oh no, they drop onto a bunch of dead yeah. bodies, right? Yeah. So that's like, uh, that's another one of these things where we, last week at the end of the episode, you saw the hanging bodies and you're reminded of just kind of how gnarly the show wants to get. Mm-hmm. Somebody mentioned in our comments, it was like a matrix rip. Uh, which, which is true. The harvest, the whole like harvest. Yeah. Which is cool. And then, but just like falling in like the, the, the barrel of dead bodies, yeah. or the, uh, not barrel, like wheelbarrow, I guess. <laughs> right. Of dead bodies. That's pretty cool to be seeing it on, on a CW show. I, I say this every week, but again, it's just, it's pretty like gnarly stuff. Like you're just, it's a bunch of dead bodies covered in bandages that have been drained of their blood. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's really, and then, and then they look down the hallway and it's just, they're just eating screaming lot like either like barely alive yeah. or dead people man i mean there's a movie called the road did you ever see it um i've i haven't seen it it's pretty gnarly it's a cormac mccarthy book it's really 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 dark that's it's what post, i hear post-apocalyptic Viggo mortensen and his son are going across the country trying to survive and there's a lot of cannibalism in the in the book and in the movie and it's right the, you watch the movie and it's like the cannibalism scenes are definitely the most frightening and it's just weird when you're watching like a teen drama with a bunch of pretty people, and then all of a sudden it's just these bloody mountain men are eating live people, and you're hearing them scream. It's just like it's like unsettling, and then you're just like, man, I'm watching, uh, I'm watching the CW. And yeah, this is, this is happening. <laughs> <laughs> um, which is why I like this show. Yeah, just because like you get those those really rich moments of like, oh, there are stakes and things are are terrifying. Like, yeah. Uh, I mean, because especially you get that and then that moment when Clark gets cornered by all the Reapers, you're like, oh, there is legitimate reason to fear. And you never know if anyone's safe in this show. Yeah. I mean, I think they killed Clark, but you never know. I mean, they could. I mean, they are setting up Octavia to be the new lead. So they could be like, all right, you thought you thought she was safe and bam, she's gone. Monty will take the lead. Octavia takes the lead. Something. We got new protagonists. Yeah, it'd be crazy. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so that was she gets cornered and and they use those high pitched taser beams or something. Yeah. Why do they only affect reapers? Why was why was Clark okay and safe and didn't seem to be affected? Did you know? Did you? Um, maybe I'm I'm assuming that it like is a specific frequency that messes with. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> say I'm gonna mad cow brain. Okay. Like I mean, because we know scientifically that if you eat human flesh the folds of your brain uh start to come undone and it drives you insane really um, i did not know that oh yeah that's, that's uh <laughs> that's like what happens with mad cow disease is like when cows are uh fed their own meat yeah um or at least byproducts of their own meat their brain starts to unfold and it drives them insane. jeez um so I, i'm assuming that maybe there's something in their minds that will essentially like picks up these tones that they're using and so it debilitates them in the same way that like there are specific tones that will make you nauseous because your uh your inner ear is where all your balance comes from so gotcha. if you get an inner ear infection you can get vertigo huh. these are a lot of i'm spouting out a lot of science <laughs> science guys it's science fiction i am learning something on this show um but yeah so that that was my assumption okay that's totally fair um so we saw something we saw sort of a, a gimmick or an idea that was actually amazingly pointed out to us on YouTube by a user who I wish I had accurately written down, uh, Lee Smith, maybe? Uh, you're awesome. 
I don't <laughs> have your username written down, but you suggested in our YouTube comments that you thought perhaps the mountain people were capturing were capturing uh, grounders, draining them of their blood, then dropping them as essentially trade for. I'm looking at you, Tari, but I'm actually looking at you, YouTube user, whose name I wish I could accurately quote. And we're draining them of their blood and then trading them essentially, so that that's when when Lincoln gets captured and he gets brought in by the grounders or by the uh, the mountain. Uh, the Reapers. The Reapers capture Lincoln and bring him in to try to trade him. That the idea would be that they were draining them of their blood and then trading their basically carcasses for uh, new people. And it's like a trade system where they get the blood, they take the blood, they give the bodies, the bodies are eaten. Yeah. And uh, quite an astute observation considering yeah, they, it seemed like, to be what's happening. Yeah. And at, with such little information to suss that out um, was amazing. You You did a great job. Yes, absolutely. You were fantastic. Uh, so that was great. So yeah, feed <laughs> us all of your predictions. We're going to read them aloud because they're great. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, so I'm, and I was wondering, was it blood that they were getting at the end or was it like a drug? Yeah. When they were getting injected in the tunnel. Yeah. Uh, that's a good question. I, and they, they say, so, so they're looking at them and they say, uh, the Cerebus, uh, Cerberus, Cerberus project. Yeah. And, they inject them with this red liquid. I don't think it was blood. I don't know what they'd be injecting them with blood for. They're just people. They're yeah. grounders. Go on. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was Cerberus. And uh, and then they were saying harvest. And the, was there a third option? Um, nope. Because just... you see the guy with the weird head, the giant elephant head in the previous episode hiding in the woods. Yeah. And then you notice a couple of these guys have like these growths on their head. Mm-hmm. Were those growths? Do you think that they're related to that guy at all? Do you think that guy is? I mean, I think that that guy would be an offshoot of a reaper, um, just one that hasn't gone full uh, cannibal. Like maybe he's a, a mutated person. Yeah. Um, and maybe there's a whole mutated tribe, or people who have been mutated are rejected by everyone, and so mm-hmm. they just kind of hang around in the forest, yeah. skulking, all sad and stuff. Um, but. Uh, my, I mean, yeah, my assumption is that like, if they're not accepted for harvest or the Cerberus project, they're, I assume they're killed. Just executed. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. So, and they, when they had the, uh, the guy who Finn ends up shooting Mm -hmm. and he says, I'll draw you a map. Does he draw them a map before he shoots him? Uh, I believe he does. Like they get the map and then that's when they start wondering what to do though. That whole thing, uh, Made me because the the grounders don't have the children. So where does this map lead them to? He might just know. He might know that the grounders, or he might know that the mountain people have the kids. He probably does. I would assume so. Yeah. But he made it seem like they had that, like they were keeping the kids hostage because until they're quote unquote until they wear out their usefulness. Yeah. Um. So I mean, but I guess there is also the chance that. We we know that forty eight have survived, but there could be more sure. that the grounders have sure. captured. Yeah, yeah. He says that he says I'll give you a map. They kill him, and uh, and uh, where was I going with this point? You, we were just talking about the mutated injections, yeah. and the people. I'm just gonna let that thought simmer. <laughs> you can say something, and I'll come um, back to it. Yes. <laughs> um, so, and I had a thing like where I was 
when they were injecting the uh, the Reapers with that drug, right? I was like, oh my gosh, are they injecting the Reapers to make them into like normal people, or at least to oh. bring them to like grounder standard so that they can harvest them as well? Oh, this is this was my point. So the guy says, get to get to your friends. They don't have much time, and uh, well. Do we think that the kids are at risk of being, like, used, drained, and eaten? Do we think? I mean... Um, I think they are. I want to say that they're being, uh, essentially... They're fattened being up. fattened up, yeah. Because <laughs> uh, he says that, yeah, they're, they're essentially stronger in ter- terms of their blood and the, the radiation uh, right, digestion. Right, right. Same thing. Yeah, so, like... I assume that they're like, all right, we're going to get these kids. We're going to have them trust us. And then yeah. slowly they're going to start disappearing. Or it leads uh, into what you were saying earlier and that, like, we're not seeing these kids yeah. around. So maybe they are, like, all in a storage bin waiting to be harvested. Yeah, you'd think that the kids that, that are three characters that we we actually see would probably make reference to the fact that everyone was gone. Right. If that were the case. Uh, but then on the other hand, we don't actually know how many people were there when they got there. Because if you do remember when Clark sees Monty and Jasper in the yeah. first episode, she like rejoices and hugs them. You see Miller, you see kids in the bunks, but they, I don't think they've ever said they're all 48 kids are here. Yeah. They've never actually said that. Nobody's ever been like, well, there's 48 of us in this camp unless, unless I missed it and you guys can point <laughs> out, but. Well, yeah. I mean, and. Miller was just released yesterday, so oh, yeah. it's a slow That's right. uh, quarantine process. That whole thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's so. That's interesting. We may we may see that develop. Uh, anything else we want to make note of? Um, I guess the final thing would be um, after Clark is saved by Anya from the Mountain Men. Uh, Anya leads her to the dam, and it's just like we got to jump. It's like, and, it's like the fugitive, except it's the hundred. Right, it's just full on. That's a great, good love the reference because it's the best action movie ever. Yeah, I don't care. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> let's just do that all night. Yeah, make references. Um, but so Clark jumps off. We find her on a rock, essentially knocked out, and Anya takes her, brings her to shore, and you think that they're going to be best friends. Yeah, and Anya oh. smacks her with a rock, which is like loved. you're my prize did you love that because i loved it yeah. i was like i was totally like yeah anya's a hard ass and you killed all my friends so yeah. i am gonna hit you with a rock because i don't care that you got me out of the cage i need revenge and i'm gonna kill you yeah that was great i agree <laughs> it's realistic she's not just some like patsy who's like well thanks for letting me out clark and you're forgiven now <laughs> no that's not how it works yeah i would have been so upset if she was just like well i guess we need each other now yeah pinky swear like it's great that she that that was actually acknowledged because I don't think anyone's really talking about the fact that like Clark killed a bunch of people yeah. with that rocket launch. Um, so I'm glad that she is aware and and it's going to be held against him. Also, and I, I will talk discuss it in uh, predictions, but yeah. just what is going forward and their dynamic is interesting. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that pretty much covers it. I uh, I liked. I just liked that Anya did that sort of honest thing, and she comes back, and you're wondering why she came back and risked herself, and it's because she wanted to get Clark. And uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, it's anytime you see, like I said, in the Fugitive or any other type of movie or show where they do the thing where somebody jumps from like a dam head like that, and they mm-hmm. jump, you know, however, a ridiculously far. I mean, water is water, but if you come down hard enough, you'll break your legs or your yeah. spine. So it's 
always a little like okay suspension of disbelief you guys are just both okay you just like landed and then you just drifted to the shore yeah but i mean whatever it is what it is she broke out of, she broke a lock with a pipe so <laughs> well i mean and i'm glad that she was actually like knocked out by it where like usually that happens and they're just like i'm gonna swim away right but it was like no she's marooned on a rock uh yeah so that was great agreed agreed so uh, what do you uh, what do you say about getting some predictions here? Heck yeah, let's do it. And now you're after Buzz TV predictions. Um, would you like to go first? I'm gonna think for a second here okay. while you're speaking. <laughs> All right. Um, well, uh, we know that the next episode. Uh, <laughs> um, in the next episode, I mean. I'm assuming we're going to get a lot of Clark and Anya, which I am super duper looking forward to. Just having these two antagonistic characters mm. trying to accomplish whatever goal. Because we know that Anya probably is trying to use her as a bargaining chip to get sure. back in with the commander. Right. Um, and we know that Clark just wants to escape and get back to the rest of uh, her camp and see any right. kids who are missing. Yep. Um, so just this back and forth of them trying to outsmart each other is going to be the best. Yeah, it should be fun. should be fun to watch. Yeah. Oh, we... Yeah, yeah, that should be fun to watch. We forgot to make reference to the fact that Lincoln was in line of people. They give oh. us Lincoln at the very end of the episode. Yes. And with that in mind, with Lincoln being part of the Cerebus Project, uh, I feel like that probably... My prediction is that the Cere- Cerberus? Cerberus. Cerberus, yeah. Cerberus Project. I'm guessing that has something to do with repurposing... Like repurposing, uh, useful grounders into some sort of like asset, like soldier or some sort of like mind control type of shenanigans, I think that they're going to give us. Like I, or, you know, him being like doped up and yeah. I, I just, I have a feeling that there's, that's going to be something we see and yeah. that Octavia will then eventually have to confront a Lincoln that's like fighting for the wrong side. That'd be great. Um, I mean, and it would make sense with what the, the, the project is. So if they were to use, Essentially, if they were to use grounders as their new guardians, right? Cerberus being the the guardian of the gateway to hell, right? Um, then that would be amazing. Yeah, and it could be cool, and we'll probably get to see Ricky Whittle with his shirt off somewhere, which all the fans seem to love, right? Of course, how could you not? <laughs> jack dabs, jack dabs. So uh, let's keep going uh, with predictions. <laughs> you, um, everything so, else? Um, I mean, the only other thing that I'm looking forward to is I, I'm I'm sure that. Uh, that Kane's whole uh, mission to find the kids is going to go super awry, and I'm looking forward to him trying to uh, diplomat his way with the grounder leaders. Yeah, I have a feeling the other thing that we were going to see is Abby will probably realize that it's much harder to be Chancellor than she thinks, that she will sympathize with Kane more based on the fact that she will have a difficult, a difficult time corralling the people to follow her mm-hmm. correctly. Uh, she is a like a peacetime commander as opposed to like a wartime commander. They're kind of in war, so yeah. I have a feeling that something like that will happen. Something on her, I just wanted to point out really quickly that I was noticing is she's such a she's such like an iconic idea of an older woman who basically from the back dressed looks like she could be any character who's like 16 years old on the show. Right, and it's so interesting when you see like these shows, these CW shows with an older female character like that she's so like she's still very beautiful and she's still she keeps herself like real skinny obviously it's just like so interesting that they they the body type of these characters and the looks of these characters aside from just the physical aging just Mm -hmm. doesn't ever change they're expected to basically just like look like a 
a slightly older version of the same 22 year old female lead they always were you know what yeah. i mean she's clearly like also tiny like i mentioned the one time about octavia she probably weighs 100 pounds it's, right it's crazy yeah anyway <laughs> um well yeah the show has a lot of beautiful people Very beautiful. and they will always be beautiful um but that brings us to the end uh sadly we are out of time all right uh so thank you for joining us for this week's the hundred season two episode three recap uh ben bateman where can the people find you if they want to talk to you uh, Twitter at Ben underscore Bateman or Instagram at Ben Bateman Media. I prefer Instagram. <laughs> uh, nice. And you can find me on Twitter at Tari J. That's T-A-U-R-I-J-A-Y. Uh, you can also find me here at AfterBuzz on Assorted Panels, including uh, the Sword Art Online panel on Sundays, Legend of Korra, and also Flash on Tuesdays. Uh, thank you for joining us and have a wonderful night. Super awesome. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.